Howdy, y'all. Today's episode of South of Scruffy Podcast is brought to you by Cosmetic. Cosmetic remains an industry leader in CBD-infused skincare products, and if you haven't checked them out lately, it's time. Cosmetic CBD-infused hemp pain cream eases aches, pains, and inflammation in muscles and joints via Cosmetic's proprietary CBD solution. Cosmetic also carries products like CBD-infused tattoo balm, bath soaks, and Himalayan sea salt face scrubs. Be kind to your skin and go to Cosmetic.com. That's C-A-U-S-E, Medic.com. That's right, they got that domain. And uh, use promo code SOS20 for 20% off of your entire order at checkout. That's SOS20. All right, showtime. Welcome into South of Scruffy Podcast. I'm Ben Fields. This is my podcast. Here for you every Monday of every week. Digging into some conversations with some of my favorite artists and entertainers. And this week, a festival promoter, Tyler Larrabee, is here. So uh, Tyler Larrabee is someone who I had not heard of before about two weeks ago. And now it seems like I hear his name about twice a day somehow. Uh, do you guys know about uh, the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon or uh, frequency illusion, as it's sometimes called? It's that uh, phenomenon where uh, you never knew something existed before, but once you become aware of it, you start witnessing it with phenomenal regularity. You start seeing it all the time. And that's what happened with Tyler Larrabee in my head. Uh, Rusty Odom brought Tyler to my attention a few weeks ago when Rusty was here. And then now I hear Tyler's name all the time and see him everywhere. Uh, Tyler has uh, put together a music festival called New Ground Festival. And it happens uh, September 12th this year at Lakeshore Park in Knoxville. And tickets are still available for that, and so are VIP upgrades. It's super affordable, and it promises to be a great time. Definitely check it out. I'll be there for sure. You've got Briston Maroney headlining that with Illiterate Light and Nordista Freeze on the uh, festival lineup as well. And there are a number of other artists that fill out the rest of that lineup that you don't want to miss. Tyler is also in a band called Stonefish. You should check them out. They're great. I've been rocking them a lot lately. It's definitely good stuff. And uh, I had a great chat with Tyler, and I hope you guys enjoy it. So let's get to it. Here's my chat with Mr. Tyler Larrabee. We're doing the podcast. Dude, you're like... You're on fire right now. You got I hear your name everywhere. It seems like it's oh, kind of crazy. Dude. I appreciate that. Apparently, that's what everybody says. That's what everyone says. Everyone's like, "Oh man, like I've heard so much about you or like um everybody's talking about you. Uh Rusty especially is always when he's trying to whenever I am in like mental breakdown mode about the festival, he's like, "Dude, everyone in Knoxville is like talking about you. They all say you've got the longest legs and you're going to do all this great stuff." And I'm like, Man, I haven't heard it my for myself. So, well, yeah. he's he's a big cheerleader of yours. It seems like, and there's he others is. out there too. He's a huge mentor for me. He Good. like I wouldn't. Uh, he was the he was the first and only person to really like take a chance on me back in the day. Him and um, China Burkeen with Attack Monkey yeah. and Rhythm and Blooms. Yeah, um, and she was more. She, she kind of introduced the whole idea to me um, of the I festival. Was, yeah, so I. I was in the Battle of the Bands with the Ace Awards. You know the Ace Awards? 
Mm-mm. the Alliance for Creative Excellence, um, Jay App King, Krista Conley. They're great folks. It's a nonprofit that helps uh, middle school and high school musicians mm. um, get to do cool stuff. Like, so the Battle of the Bands was a competition that they do <clears throat> that they do at the Mill and Mine. So you had to audition, send in a video, and then they did a live audition at Open Chord. So I had a band in high school called Stonefish. Yeah, I listened um, to Stonefish. Thank you, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah we were we were decently successful uh, in the local scene in high school. You know, getting to go on radio and um, playing some super cool venues. But uh, so we got to play the Mill and Mine twice through the Battle of the Bands because nice. of Ace Awards. They also have singer songwriter competitions um, for solo artists that they do at the Bijou called cool. the Bijou Awards. Um, which are super popular. That's how a lot of people like uh, Connor Kelly and CC Coakley were involved with mm. them. Uh, Jaw Thomas. Um, so anyway, I got to perform at the Battle of the Bands and with Stonefish. With Stonefish and um, China was one of the judges. Um, the first year we did it, <clears throat> and we won the. We didn't win the, the judges' vote. There was like this country rock, uh, not country rock, classic rock cover band that one because of some BS, whatever. Oh, but, come on. A cover band was, one. Yeah, oh, I know. Man. And I was like, this is the Alliance for creative excellence. You're just covering like Leonard Skinner songs. Yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, I was really pissed about it. And, uh, but we won the audience vote by like quite a large margin, Good. which was, which was awesome, which honestly is more telling of success than the judges vote because sure. they had, they had one of the judges was, uh, Billy the Kid from like 103.5 <laughs> Classic Rock. Dude, rip, dude. <laughs> yeah, Rest like, in I'm peace. Like, yeah, I know. Seriously, <laughs> yeah. crazy. Yeah. But I'm like, no no shot. Yeah. Like no shot he's going to vote for us over a classic rock cover band. Sure. You know? And so anyway, um, China actually told me later that she like voted for us. Good. And I was like, thank you, China. But so we got to do a, um, um, Jay Apking with Ace did a like, meeting thing at open court afterwards f- for the judges to come and like critique us and actually give mm. us like feedback on our, on our work. And, um, that's, that was my first exposure really to what could, what could we do? What could I do for the young music community to create something cool like this, but that's not like a kid's talent show right? or like a kid's music festival. It's right. a legit thing. And I had always had like, I had basically been the manager of Stonefish. I managed all of our social medias. I booked all of our shows. I, I created all the logos and everything. I mean, I did 95% of the work outside Mm. of the music itself, um, outside of performing and writing. I mean, it was 95% of it was me and, um, for the longest time. And so I already had a little bit of experience in booking and then I'd been networking and, that was like my whole thing. Like when all my friends were like at parties or binge watching TV shows, I was like hanging out with 35 and 40 year olds trying to like network. And now all my friends are adults. Like I go out to dinner with these people. They're like my legitimate friends. And I'm like, you could be my, you could be my dad. Yeah. Like Daniel Fluitt just turned like 42 and he's like, one of my best friends like right now. I mean, and I'm like, I'm 19. <laughs> that's what you got to do though, is associate yeah. with people who are doing the thing you want to do or people that are better than you at something. Yeah. So you can, learn from them, continue to get better. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, China, that was China's part in, in it. And she posted something on her Facebook, like when I announced the lineup, like this really long, of very what, well written. Are, okay. Which lineup? 
when I announced in 2019 the lineup for 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 a new ground new music ground. festival, yep. she she was very kind to me on Facebook and said a lot of really positive things about it. Um, and you guys had just met through the Ace Awards. We had only met through the Ace Awards, and then I actually reached out to her the next year, and I was like, "Hey, Stonefish would love to play," and she's like, "You guys were amazing at Ace." And she booked us main stage for for, for rhythm and blooms. Rhythm and blooms. Yeah. So, did you play? Yeah, we did. So, so the last year of rhythm and blooms. Last year of rhythm and blooms, twenty nineteen, we played. Stonefish played. We were on the main lineup. Like we got booked like less than a week before the lineup came really? out. Yeah. So if you look at the if you look at the original poster, it's at the very bottom. It goes Stonefish, Adeem the artist, and more. So we were the second last band mm. to be booked. And then they booked more bands, obviously after the lineup came out. But we were actually on the original lineup and stuff. And that was because of China taking me under her wing a little bit and helping us out and like supporting what we were doing. Yeah. And then, um, when I was like, okay, I want to do this concert. And that was originally what it was. It was going to be a concert. It wasn't going to be a festival. Um, I was like, okay, I'm like trying to find people that do this sort of thing. And <clears throat> I'd heard of Rusty Odom with uh, second bell and blank fest mm-hmm. because, I was dating Lucy Abernathy of the Pinklets and Rusty booked the Pinklets for dozens of stuff, whether it's Wayne Stock, whether it was Blank Fest, Second Bell, yeah. they played all those things. Um, and so I like had sent him a message on Facebook. I, I sent him a direct message on Facebook and was like, hey, <clears throat> my name's Tyler. I'm 16 years old uh, and with a band called Stonefish and I want to do something for the young Knoxville community that I think you'd be really interested in. I think there's a lot of young bands here that really could use the access to people like you. Um, and you want to know about these local bands in Knoxville, so let's make it happen. Let me be the connecting piece. No response. Send him multiple DMs. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Come on, Rusty, get it together. <laughs> I know, Rusty's, Rusty's not a big social media guy. No, I didn't know not. that, yeah. you know, when I, obviously. Um and also his profile picture is the fox from the Disney Robin Hood yeah. animated. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't even know what this guy looks like. like I have no yeah. idea. Don't know where to find yeah, him. Yeah, no, nothing. <laughs> and um, Go pick up a blank newspaper. And yeah, just start seriously, from there. that's your best shot. <laughs> his, his email's in there somewhere. It's, yeah. you know, under the editor page or whatever. <laughs> anyway, um, and then thankfully, uh, the piano player in my band, Zach Slimp, his dad, Kevin Slimp, is really big in the, he's the quote unquote newspaper guru. Mm. And he goes around, travels around the country and even around the world getting to speak at these big newspaper conventions and all this stuff about, um, I mean, I don't even know. He he invented the PDF. Really? Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> Kevin Slimp. If you go to his Facebook, it says <laughs> newspaper guru, PDF inventor, and like husband, father or whatever. <laughs> Seriously, in, the, in that dude, order. Yeah, he like invented the PDF. What's it's a newspaper crazy. guru? Just somebody who knows how to print one or publish one? No, or? yeah, he knows a lot about the business of newspapers gotcha. and helps a lot of people um, manage their newspapers, like smaller newspapers. And yeah. um, there's a lot of like, I mean, newspapers have been around for a long time and there's a large community, especially in the, um, of people that have been in it for 50, 60 years mm-hmm. that are doing it. And like, I'll see stuff on Facebook. He's going and he's talking to the North Dakota Newspaper Association. Yeah. And he's out there doing well, talking new, to them. Newspapers are, have had a rough 10 years or 15 years. They have, you know? but what I've learned from him is that there's still a very large market for it. Yeah. And I think that's something that Rusty's still seeing. You know, he's been around for 13 years or whatever. Yeah. And with blank. <clears throat> anyway, so off topic a little bit. But <laughs> so Kevin Slint knew him because he's obviously the yeah. newspaper guy. He knows all the newspaper guys. He knows guys. all the newspaper guys. So he gave me Rusty's phone number and I called him and, um, Rusty met me for lunch at Panera and I pitched him the idea for some sort of concert. And he's like, 
I gotta go smoke a cigarette. <laughs> he just steps outside. It's like I gotta go think about this. And now that I know him, I'm like, that's a very rusty thing to do. But at the time, I was kind of like, oh, that's kind of weird. <laughs> like right up Panera, like in West Knoxville, isn't like a smoke friendly community like area. You know, it's like we're at like Barley's or something where yeah, everyone's that's... smoking on the patio. Yeah, we're at Panera Bread at, 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 at like one o'clock Tuesday in the afternoon. You know, and so he's going out there, he's smoking a cigarette, and he's like thinking about it. And I'm like, I'm like, so I'm just sitting in there, like waiting for him to come With back your and give broccoli me his cheddar. Verdict. soup in a, yeah. in a bread waiting bowl for the verdict like he's like it's like the jury is out and i'm like waiting for him to come back <laughs> and he's like you know what fuck it like let's do it really yeah and um after that it was like i mean i asked him every like i was i called him like two or three times a day seven days a week because he'd already done it with second bell at the and time. blank fest and blank fest that's right yeah, and he's worked on countless other. I mean, he's really close with Garrett and Kent over at Born and Raised yeah. with Sunset on Central and all the stuff that they do. And yeah, and and Rusty also bootstrapped it a lot, like you have. It sounds like like he started with kind of nothing. Yeah, I and think then grass, uh, grass it was it together. Um, Kevin Mackey. Yeah, was the one that, and that's why they've got the Mackey stage at Second Bell. Was yeah. really the one that kind of took him, took Rusty under his wing and um, helped with, because I believe Blank started out as satire. Hmm. Really. I think so. I think that's why it's called blank, blank, because like blank newspaper, there's nothing in it, yeah. like nothing of substance. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's like the Onion. Yeah, sort of. But of it was all like a lot of local stuff. Like uh, Rusty's told me the story, and he may have said this on the podcast when you had him on, but um, I don't remember. But it was like they had. It's the only time Rusty's because Rusty's very doesn't like being in front of the camera, doesn't like being on stage. So like the, one of the only times he's ever been like a picture of him's ever been published in the paper was like one of the first issues of Blank was the cover was. Rusty and Kevin like dressed up in like tutus or some shit doing some stupid <laughs> stuff. I don't remember exactly. You'd have to ask him the story, but so, so he comes back and at, from his cigarette break and he mm-hmm. said, let's do it. And then the first new ground is born. Yeah. First new ground is born. And that was That's probably in like May of 2019 and we put it on September 8th. So you guys threw it together pretty quick then. Yeah. And like I, like I was telling you earlier before we were in here, um, my budget was about, I think I put the whole thing together for about $14,000. That's crazy. And most of it was, because my tickets were only 10 bucks. We had about 100 people come. It was about $5,000. I had about another five dollars to $8,000 came out of my personal bank account. And then the miscellaneous few thousand came from some sponsors. Mm. Did you guys have, uh, did, did you do beer and all that at Lakeshore or no? Yeah. So I was originally partnered with the Boys and Girls Club mm. and because I was like, oh, Boys and Girls Club, young musicians, yeah, perfect. Makes sense. Um, but I didn't think about the business um, and the Boys and Girls Club doesn't want to be their name to with alcohol because they're the Boys and Girls Club. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually had to hire a catering service. All occasions catering did my alcohol. So I didn't make any money. On yeah. that. Uh, I had to pay. I'd actually, I lost money on alcohol because I had to pay for it. Rather than, you know, this year I've got Sugarlands, Fedka, Eagle Distributing, Knoxville Bev, all these big alcohol sponsors doing yeah. all kinds of stuff. Lots of money, lots of printing, lots of advertising, the whole nine cool. yards. My it's brother works at Knoxville Bev. Yeah, who's that? Yeah, His name's Amos Fields. Amos he's, Fields. He's a merchandiser. My contact over there is uh, Eric Johansson. Oh, yeah. Actually, I, I met him. Yeah, actually just I was with him right before I came here. Um, oh, cool. Because we're trying to do – I got I had to get some samples – <clears throat> um, for some of the product that they're selling, yeah, not for me to sample because I'm not 21, yeah, but um, you but, know, but, but for that's the, what Rusty's for. That's what Rusty's <laughs> for. No, we're 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 currently working on a 
on a cocktail drink with uh, Fanatic Brewing. Oh, that's cool. To like do a like a custom. Yeah, they're going to do like a mocktail. Yeah. Like a virgin cocktail. And then we're going to, you can also buy it like with a double shot of yeah. Svedka. So I had to go, I had to go pick up the vodka so I can take it to Marty so they can experiment with flavors and oh, stuff. Oh, cool. So what's the, what's the age makeup like at the festival or what was it like? Is this, will this be the third year that you've done it? Well, it would have been. It, you didn't do one last year. Yeah. No, nothing in 2020. We, yeah. we so you've only done it once before. Only done it once. So these hundred people that showed up, was it mostly kids or high school yeah, age so kids? Yeah. So it was 500, about 500 folks and it was oh, most, 500 folks. Yeah, 500. Oh, gotcha. And it was pretty much high school kids and their parents. Gotcha. Um, like I think the caterer, the catering guys, they were super, um, all occasions catering was super nice to me. They understood like my predicament that I was in with alcohol sales and they were like, Hey, we can't lose money. So if you sell like $2,200 worth of booze, we'll give you your money back. Mm, cool. And I didn't get my money back because I don't even, <laughs> we didn't even sell $2,000 worth of alcohol. Gotcha. Cause there was nobody is. there. Yeah. Um, which has been a big thing with my sponsors you know, going forward yeah. is like, it's tough when your clientele or, or when your showgoers are not of age, but it's not going to be like that this year. Different story this yeah. year. Well, I mean, we've already sold over 550 tickets and we're still a month out. Like at this point in 2019, I would have sold, I probably had sold about 50. Okay. So you've 10 X to your ticket sale, your pre-sale oh, yeah. already. And I mean, I remember like <laughs> in 2019, we were about a week and a half out from the festival. I think I'd sold somewhere between 20 and 50 tickets and it was like my close friends and family. Yeah. And I called Rusty and I was like, dude, <laughs> this is not going I'm well. I'm so fucked. Like, <laughs> I'm going to lose so much money. And he was like, he's like, Tom, take a deep breath. People in Knoxville are notorious for buying tickets last minute. You're yeah. going to be okay. It's yeah. Just, just trust the process. You've done all the advertising correctly. You've done all the promotion. You've booked good bands that have good followings. You're going to be fine. And I was like, I sure hope so, because I'm going to lose a lot of money. And sure enough, it was like next day I sold 20 tickets. The right. day after I sold 50, and there was like 100 tickets the next day, and then 100 yeah. tickets the next day. And I was like, okay, I'm awesome. going to be okay. So so is it, it, so is going back to like the the open chord thing and the original idea that you talked to China about, like giving, the, giving these younger artists and younger bands a place to shine, mm-hmm. um, is that still kind of the ethos of the festival? Oh, or? absolutely. Okay. So – the the entire festival, other than our three headliners, are all Knoxville bands. Okay. And most of them are high school, college aged. And then we've got Mick Harrison and the high school is our outlier in that area. Um, our three headliners, one is from Knoxville, one is from Nashville, and the other one is from Virginia, so they're not okay. too far. Yeah. And they're all nationally touring acts. So the idea is now um, – we still are highlighting these a lot of these local young bands, but to help with the mission of getting them access to audiences outside of just their yeah. friends, mm-hmm. we're bringing in a couple nationally touring bands yeah. that are going to help pull the people in because we want we want Newground to become something where it's like, oh, I'm not going to this festival to see Lizzo and Billie Eilish and Tyler the Creator. I'm going to Newground regardless of who's, who's playing, playing because I'm going there to find new music yeah. and I'm that's, going to, that's yeah. how Bonnaroo started Yeah, was, you know, you had these, I mean, well, it started as a jam band festival mm-hmm. and then it slowly started to morph out of that. Um, but you always knew it was going to be good in those, in those first few years. And there were bands playing it for free, lugging their gear from anywhere just to get in front of the biggest crowd they've ever been in front of. 
yeah, in their some entire of the, life. Like, I was, we had uh, Willa May in the studio on WTK when we did our album release. I don't know if you know, like, Sean McCullough and the Lone Tones mm-hmm. from Knoxville. No. Um, Willa, she used to be in the Pinklets, and now she's doing her own solo stuff. Um, super amazing musician, by the way. You should definitely check her out. But she'll be at the festival this year. And when we were in the studio, we were like, she's like, I'm a little nervous. You know, Brissa Maroney, that's a big band. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I, you know, there'll probably be, you know, 1,500 to 2,000 people is our goal. And she was like. Really? Jaw yeah. dropped? Yeah, jaw dropped. Yeah. That's, yeah, it's a great, it's, it's a great. And uh, that's what I, that's like what I want to do for it. That's like, that's yeah. what makes me like be like okay this is why we're doing this. Give, give the undercard the bigger cra- the biggest crowd they've ever played for yeah played because in front of. because that was me and like if i hadn't put in like literally like hundreds of hours of like networking and trying to meet people and like showing up to stuff like that was that was dead end but i'm showing up just because i'm like i've got to put my face in front of these people and doing this stuff like i my band stonefish would have never had any level of success and we didn't even reach like I mean, our biggest show, like I, I think probably our peak was our second album. We did a release party at the Concourse. There were about 400 to 500 people there. Mm. That's a headlining show. And that was probably the peak for us. Yeah. And I was like, that, this is it? This is, this is no, like within, like I'm, I'm spending more time working on this band than I am like in school. Right. Like I'm literally, this is a full-time job and right. this is like as, as good as it's going to get. Like that's not. That means that it's not the fault of the artists always. There's a lot of artists I've worked with where I'm like, yeah, like you're not going to be successful because all you're like, you're all about like, oh, it's just about the creativity, man. And I'm just <laughs> going to smoke weed and jam and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, you might make some great music, but as far as success wise, yeah. it's going to be hard. But I'm like, if this is, I'm putting in literally, it's not possible for me to put in any more effort. And this is as high as it's ever going to get for me. That means that like some other people in the industry need to step up and like help these bands get there, you know? So, so that's, that's, so that's what you're doing for these other artists. Is, that's what I'm trying is to do. Putting their, is, is making sure that their hard work is not in vain. Absolutely. I, I read a quote that you said, I think it was in like the 20 under 20 uh, Knoxville News Sentinel thing. And it was like, it takes a lot more work than it does talent to be successful. No, in the absolutely. Music absolutely. <laughs> I mean, look at, look, at, look at your top 40 charts right now. How many of those people are like amazing musicians? A couple of them. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the guy who produces this podcast, Sam, uh, he all the time, he's like, man, do you think those people just like woke up and, and became famous and started, you know, because he's worked in the music industry for 25 years uh, as a recording engineer. And he's like, dude, the first time I worked with Justin Bieber, he'd been he'd been working for like you know, who's young, but he'd still mm-hmm. been doing it for five or six oh, years, you know, before he even got discovered. And that's half the dude's life at the time he got discovered. Yeah. He's like, you know, Alicia Keys, 15 years of, of you know, beating down doors. Yeah, and they, say it takes, get big. they say it takes 10 years to make an overnight success. It's That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, because Alicia Keys was an overnight success. I mean, it was like she went on Oprah because of a friend of a friend who knew Oprah. Like, it wasn't like Oprah found her. It was like, or her friend like vouched for her. She went on Oprah and the next day everyone in New York City knew her name. Yeah. It's pretty cool. But that was over 10 years of like living in this tiny like studio apartment, like working every single day. Yeah. You know, and then everyone's like, oh, overnight success. I mean, it's all work. <laughs> I mean, Alicia Keys is amazingly ta- yeah, talented. Sure. Clearly. But 
if she hadn't worked like she had, it, she wouldn't, would, it wouldn't have mattered. She wouldn't have been there when the luck hit. Yeah, because it's just, you know, uh, I think like especially in the Southeast, we hear a lot of stories like, oh, I would have gone to the NFL. Or I would have gone D1 if I didn't have like if my knee, you yeah. know, I, I tore an ACL yeah. and I lost my scholarship or whatever. I mean, the music industry is very much the same way. There's a lot of people that it's like that were musicians when they were younger, high school and college. But it's like there was just that one thing that just didn't work yeah. or whatever. And they stopped. And they stopped. Yeah. And then that was it. And it's like they had the talent. They I've met people here in Knoxville like. I remember like Kevin Abernathy, um, who's an amazing musician here in Knoxville, and like he's one of the best songwriters like around. And I'm like, why is this dude not on top forty radio? And it's not for a lack of work. It's just like sometimes shit just doesn't work out. Right. Like sometimes you just never get that huge break. And it's a I mean, I think a lot of people are okay with it and they understand that going into it, but it's like I wish I wish I could help artists like those people like really get to the level yeah. that I think they deserve. Well, yeah. th- that's why being famous is such a bad goal to have. <laughs> you know, because so no, much absolutely. stuff has to yeah. happen. Yeah. Gotta enjoy it. Um, so what are the what are the three headliners? So we've got Briston Maroney, who's from Knoxville, went to ESK and then Catholic High School. No and way. is now we're one of his stops on his world tour between Bonnaroo <clears throat> between Bonnaroo and Nashville. He's playing Bonnaroo the weekend before. Nice. Um so Briston Maroney, who's going to be amazing, and you will, if you're listening, buy tickets because you will never, ever, ever see Briston Maroney for $25 ever again. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Seriously, it's not going to happen. Um, so Briston Maroney, then Illiterate Light, who headlined yeah. Second Bell yeah. in 2019. Amazing duo. Um, super high energy. I can't stop listening to their live album that they released last year. Um, crazy good. And then Nordy's to Freeze, who is out of Nashville in... I mean, that man is an absolute animal. Like he is playing, he's touring and playing shows like 365 days a year. Really? Like it's no days off for him, constantly going and completely like crowdfunds his albums and is maybe one of the most underrated artists like period right now. Love that. Like he is, he is a gold, he's a gold mine of, of music and he's super energetic. Like he just gets up on stage with his tambourine and just goes absolutely hand like he'll He'll probably end up like in his underwear, like drenched in sweat by the end of the show. I love that. Like I, I saw him at the concourse one time. I mean, there's probably like a hundred people there and it, he came out in an all white cowboy suit, like white <laughs> pants, white shirt, white overalls, white hat. And like I said, he ended the show like in the crowd, in his underwear, sweaty, like it was insane. I love like, it. He, he crowd surfs and he'll climb up on top of the stage and stage dive and stuff. A real I mean, showman. He really is. He's Does, an, does he have a band? Yeah, so he has a band with him. Um, they don't have a name. I mean, his his artist name is just Nordista Freeze, same as Briston Maroney. Doesn't it's not like Nordista Freeze and the yeah, gotcha, you know, whatever. But yeah. yeah, and they're they're all amazingly talented as well. And all three of those artists have all played together. They've all like I have a T shirt from 2017 where Briston Maroney. It's it was called the. Um, I think big star, small car tour. And it's, it's uh Briston Maroney, I think Grant Parker and Nordy's to freeze. Really? So I'm going to bring the shirt to the festival. I'm going to see if I can get him to sign it That's or a take a picture idea. with freeze and Briston. Yeah. Like while with me wearing that shirt, like throwback. Cause it's got all the tour dates on the back. So you got two stages, right? Two stages plus a silent disco tent and an after show. 
After shows at Union Jacks. After shows at Union Jacks. Love that place. Have you been there since they oh, yeah. redid the, the? Oh, it's amazing. Isn't it amazing? Yeah, it's. I mean, it feels like you're in a little like kind of rinky dink strip mall off yeah. North Shore, but it really feels like you're in like. I mean, it's got like all this old wood and stone walls and everything. It feels like an English pub, dude. It is one of the greatest. It's my favorite bar in the world. I, I spent <laughs> I spent uh, a large part of my 20s there uh, completing my beer challenge yep. twice. <laughs> and and uh, it was such a hole in the wall, man. Smoky. You could smoke in there. And, yeah, you still can. So yeah. it is 21 and up. Yeah. The after show is. Yeah. yeah. I think you can just smoke like in the garage door part. You can't smoke on the um, on the other part, right? I'm not sure, but they've got like a dartboard room. They've yeah. got billiards. That's the they've one got, where you can smoke with the overhead yeah. door in it. And yeah. they've got, um, yeah, they've got foosball, like all of the, all of the, um, what's it called? Not the one, the seats in restaurants where there's. Oh, the booths? The booths. <laughs> a booth. Yeah. Why couldn't I think of that word? Yeah. All the booth tables have like um, chess checkers board boards, yeah. like chess boards, like built into yeah, the yeah. table and everything. Yeah. It's super cool. And they've got like, um, Guinness. So they've got their regular tap, right? With all their beers, like mm-hmm. local beers and, you know, regular, you know, your sweet waters and yeah. your yeehaws and everything like that. Right. And then the Guinness has got its own separate kegerator. Yeah. Like with its own, like it's like cooled to a very specific, like yep. decimal temperature and everything. And they, yeah. I mean, it's like an English it takes seven minutes to pour it. Yeah, absolutely. It's like comes out thick and like, yeah, man, used to get shamrocks drawn in them when they'd pour them for you there. Ah, yeah. Such a great place. Aaron, um, and his wife that uh, bought Union Jacks from Pat, uh, the dude who owned it before, they have done such a great job. Yeah, and they've place. got Union Place just right over on Kingston Pike too, which, which is, is super awesome. Yeah, and they do open mics there mm-hmm. for for music and that. Yeah, Union pa- Union Place is kind of weird. I think it's going to make it though. And that I building, think so too. that building has been um, that building has kind of been cursed. It seems like there have been so many different little restaurants that have come through there, and it's such a cool space and. I think Aaron's doing such a great job. Yeah, and there's a, there's a lot of buildings like that in Knoxville where it's like nothing's ever seemed to work, but I I do think that it's going to do well. And Aaron Nelson and uh, Union Place and Union Jacks are really close with our charity. Mm. Um, so we benefit Newground Music Festival benefits X Hunger, um, which I don't know if you know anything about. Mm-hmm. I can give I you the little spiel. Hit me with it. Okay, so um, X Hunger was started by um, Derek Furlow, who D'Lo he was a he was a uh, strong safety, I believe, for the University of Tennessee, probably okay. about a couple of years ago. And he started the festival. He started, excuse me, not the festival. He started X Hunger. It's a movement more than an organization. Mm. Um, and it's it's under the Scarecrow Foundation, which is Jimmy Buckner. Um, and basically, you can go to xhunger.com, watch their one and a half minute video to learn more if you're interested. But basically, the idea is, is they want to help end hunger in America. But rather than like starting a food pantry or a farm or a garden or something like that their idea is that a lot of times hunger comes in three different areas there's poverty there's homelessness and there's hunger and so a lot of these shelters and food banks are dealing with all three of those issues Mm. but if we want to end hunger they want to help them with the not that they don't care about homelessness or poverty but they just want to help people get fed mm. so that people aren't hungry and so the idea is they kind of provide res- <clears throat> resources marketing and staff for pre-existing food pantries um, through student-led ex-hunger clubs so awesome. students need service hours right um, and so basically if you're interested and this is any high school or college in America you can start one of these all you have to do is follow the loves program locate 
understand, volunteer, and support. You get a group of your buddies together at your high school. You go and you say, hey, there's this food pantry right down the street. So for example, Austin East partners with the Love Kitchen. So they go, okay, we're going to locate this food pantry that we want to help. Austin East found the Love Kitchen. We're going to go, me and my friends, we're going to go to the Love Kitchen. We're going to understand their mission and what exactly it is that they're trying to do because Meals on Wheels, Fish, uh, Second Harvest, they all have, I mean, obviously their mission is to help feed people, but sure. they all have different ways of doing it, whether right. they're Christian-based right. or what their specific focus is. So you go, you understand what that food pantry's mission is, then you volunteer and support. It's pretty simple. Yeah. So you can start an ex-hunger club at your school and then get a bunch of people together. You provide them with, here's all these service opportunities for you to volunteer at your local food pantry, get service hours. And then on the flip side, rather than just going and volunteering yourself, the reason you want to be in the club is because... Um, Scarecrow Foundation believes in entertainment with a purpose. So it operates on a zero budget. There's no dues to be in an ex-hunger club. But because they partner with so much entertainment-based stuff, as a member of an ex-hunger club, you get to participate in things like the New Ground Music Festival. Second Bell also benefits ex-hunger. There's Gator Hater Week and Bash Mm. Bama Week during the UT football season. They do um, golf tournaments, poker tournaments, fashion shows, all kinds of stuff. Um, And we're actually giving away... Um, to a member of an ex-hunger club, we're giving away a brand new 2021 Chevy. Thanks to Betty Beatty Chevrolet has really? donated to ex-hunger. So if you're if you're at the festival this year, the the car, the ex-hunger car is going to be there. All you have to do, if you've bought your ticket to um, New Ground Music Festival, you've already done all the work. If you show up to New Ground, you've already done all the work. All you have to do is walk over to the booth and write your name down to be signed up for the UT or whatever your respective high school, West, Webb, Austin East, et cetera, sign up for your club and boom, you're entered to win the car. And they're going to give it away in May of 2022. Do you have to be a student to be? Uh... So to be a part of one of the student clubs, but if you're an adult um, who's out of school, they do have city clubs. So those are a little bit different. They're more think of like your traditional, like maybe your Lions club or your Rotary yeah. club or something like that, where you have these fancy banquets that, you know, it's like $250 for you yeah, yeah. a day to go and have the big dinner and whatever. They're not all that expensive, but like you could participate in, I know a lot of guys like to participate in the poker tournaments, yeah. um, which they have a lot of them is at Union Place actually. Oh yeah. Um, is that what those are? Yeah. Those are the ex-hunger poker I, tournaments. I see, them, I see them when I'm in there sometimes. And they, they, they do, have that own that yeah. separated room. So the city clubs are a lot more luxurious than just like music festivals and concerts and stuff. So they do, like right now they're doing this big package for this golf tournament down in Florida where it's like you're being flown down there and staying in this resort. Like with these partners that they have that X hunger has with these big, you know, high end establishments and, um, but it's super cool. And so that's the benefit for being part of the, the, yeah. the club is experience. So it's like, basically it's the easiest sell ever. You go up to a student, maybe they're in the boy Scouts, maybe they're in, um, on teen board, maybe they're in student council, NHS, whatever it is. You say, Hey, you got to get 25 hours of service. Do you want to help end hunger in your community and get to go to a bunch of cool stuff that you're going to go to anyway for free? while doing service hours. Yeah. Like no yeah. brainer. Do you want to, do you want to check off your service hours by hanging out with your friends and then get to go to Bonnaroo for free on top of that? It's like, yeah, <laughs> of course. Like why not? <laughs> so it's a perfect way. It really incentivizes people to focus on hunger, focus on volunteering. Cause a lot of times people kind of cheat their, you know, service hours, cheat anyway. their service yeah. hours. It's like, Oh, I went and, you know, pressure wash the sidewalk at my church yeah. for two hours or whatever. Yeah. This is like actually doing something meaningful for yeah. the community. You yeah. Know? Well, you're a, you're an Eagle Scout, right? Mm-hmm. Did that? Did I am? What, what was your project? I built a Gaga ball pit at Beer Elementary School. What's that? 
Never played Gaga Ball? No, I don't know what it is. Okay, so it's a it's a basically it's an octagon shaped ring with a wall around it that's about waist high, usually wood or plastic. Oh, dude, whatever. you dug a deep hole. No, it's not a hole. It's above the ground. It's like, oh, a, it's like okay. a wooden fence. Okay, gotcha. It's about four feet high. Oh, okay. And then like you can use gravel or cement or something on the ground, something that a ball can bounce on. Mm. And basically, depending on how big your gaga ball is, you can court is you can have as many kids as you want pile in there and it's basically a it's a safe alternative to dodgeball kind of uh, but it's really fun so you throw the ball up in the air to start it it bounces it goes bounces three times you go ga ga ball <laughs> and then it's free play and all you have to do is hit the ball with your hand and try and hit someone in the knees or lower you get hit in the shins and you're out and you just hop out over the fence and you're out until there's two people left and then they're just going at it, trying to knock the ball into each other's legs. Oh, that's fun. And it's a lot of fun. And so I built one of those at Beeren Elementary School. And because um, that's where I went to elementary school. And I love the project, but big mistake trying to work with the government <laughs> because really? it took, I mean, it took like a year to get all the paperwork done. Really? Seriously. Yeah. And then I had like inspectors from Knox County Schools coming out. And like, I had what to, a great experience though for an Eagle, Eagle Scout project. And I had to go back and like change a bunch of stuff and well, not a bunch of stuff, but I had to like go and like take all the bolts out and like counter sink them because there were safety hazards oh, and yeah. all this stuff. Dude, there are some crazy regulations for oh, playgrounds yeah. Oh, yeah, and, and that stuff. Like, <laughs> I, I've got a buddy of mine who's like a certified playground inspector and we'll be, uh, We'll be walking around on a playground. He's like, that's not code right there. A kid can get their head stuck right in that thing. Oh, well, it's like because people will sue for anything. Yeah. Like I knew somebody at Beer Elementary School that like was walking. She she took her kid to school and she was walking back to her car. She slipped on ice in the parking lot and fell and like sued the school. Really? I'm like, why? Like this is a public school. They are so desperately underfunded. Yeah. You're going to sue them for slip at you because your dumbass slipped on ice. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah. We're quite a litigious society. We are. That's what my mom always says. Really? We're such a litigious society. Yeah. It, it's it's a real it's a, it's a bummer. Other countries aren't like that. I know. It doesn't seem like. There's people whose entire there's lawyers whose entire job is like I watched a uh, 60 minutes episode one time. There's this law firm that all they do is they go around to small businesses and they check for compliance with um I don't know the name of the act, but for disabled people. ADA. Yeah, because there's there's very specific, like your mirror has to be a certain number of inches off the ground. Yeah. And so they'll just go into like a hole in the wall, co- like coffee shop, and they'll measure. And if the mirror is not the right size, they'll sue them. Yeah. And like, or like if they don't have, if it's a small hotel, like a mom and pop in, and they don't have a wheelchair lift for their pool, they'll sue them. And yeah. I, this guy that they interviewed, they're like, yeah, we got sued. So we had to spend like $10,000 to put in this wheelchair lift. It's been here for five years and it's been, it's not, hasn't been used once. Never been used. Yeah. I've heard that, you know, the Westboro Baptist church, the, like the people that, you know, God hates fags people that go and and hold the signs up every time, you Mm -hmm. know, a gay military person gets buried or something like that. I have heard that, uh, they are like run by attorneys that they're just out there waiting for somebody to do something illegal to them, like and so like, t- yeah. like freedom of speech, yeah, like whatever. freedom of speech or, or, or attack them, Lord. I mean, the, the stuff they're the stuff they're out there doing is like, you know, the, yeah. I you know, there's there's and everyone has their own opinions, and like especially the one that bothers me the most is like I don't really care what your views on abortion are, but like 
if you're out there like holding up these massive signs of like dissembled like babies and yeah. stuff, like that's just not necessary in my opinion. Yeah. Like, yeah. cause I'm like, there's people that have like had, like that's, there's trauma that people yeah. have there and they're walking down the street and in market square and they yeah. see that and they're yeah. like, <sighs> and, and that's why it, it, it makes people, you know, it makes people retaliate. It makes people mm-hmm. physically, you know, Absolutely. touch these people and then they get sued, Yeah, <laughs> you know? Or it's like, how are you, how are you going to have, if you really, if you're, if you really believe that abortion is bad and you want to end it. Do you really think that like that's how you're gonna have a productive conversation? Yeah, is shaming by people, shaming at a rally. people, or like yeah. showing like dead babies in their yeah. face? Like that's yeah. not gonna start the conversation off on the right foot. No, it's people have funny ways of getting their point across. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, where, so so where were we? We've got the concert. <laughs> we've got the cons. We've got the concert coming up. What what are the dates again? Sunday, September twelfth. Okay, so it's one day. It's one day. And it's from one o'clock to ten o'clock. Yep. And then. Uh, Take it to take it to Union, Jacks, it to Union from, Jacks from there. Who's playing at Union Jacks? Do you know yet? Yep, Connor Kelly and the Time Warp and Chasing Tanya. Okay, is there going to be a stage at Union Jacks? Is it going to be outside? It's going to be outside, and they the way they do it is they open up the garage and the bands in the garage, and the okay. people are out on the patio. Cool. So, is there a noise ordinance, or can they play? As no, long they as can they play want? until two a.m. Really? Yep. On a Sunday. Yeah. There's no. There's no neighborhoods. They're in a commercial no, area. Yeah. There's a storage unit behind it. Yeah. It backs and, up to and a Fourth river. Creek. I think. Yeah. Fourth Creek. Yeah. So that's it. Yeah. So they they don't they can play they can play amplified sound. I mean, technically the noise like that's why we've got to end at the park at ten o'clock. Yeah. For because the noise ordinance, right? Yeah. Um, and technically, on I mean I've been telling everyone it's one to ten. Technically on the schedule, like Bristol Maroney ends at nine forty five yeah. with a little bit of run over time because I yeah. don't want to go. Whatever, but don't um, want to cheat the man out of an encore just in case. (laughs) Or if you know, if one of the bands in front of them goes a little long or something Mm. like that, I've got, I've got like ten minutes kind of built in between each band of potential run over time, and then. But my stage managers are like, think of like you know the old like, (laughs) like uh, Charlie Chaplin like with the cane and they're like pulling them off the stage or that. My stage managers literally like they'll cut the. They'll yeah. cut the sound. They'll just start set. unplugging yeah. stuff. They'll start unplugging stuff. Oh yeah. man, you got some hard asses. I do. Misha working. Goldman. It's amazing. He's an amazing stage. I've manager. heard that name. He's a professor at Pellissippi. He, he works like um, with big ears and the Bijou and stuff all the time. Gotcha. I mean, hiring him um, and Misha, if you're listening, I love you. Um, hiring him was probably one of the, like the best decisions I could have made because I think in 2019, I don't think I had to talk to anybody about the stages or the artist once. Mm. Like. Hiring like that's when one Misha of the just biggest things. Hiring people that can make their own decisions that I trust to make good decisions is like invaluable to me because it's like I now no longer have to deal with like petty questions from my artists or my like my stage because Misha will just say make an executive decision without even having to ask me and like we had separate radio channels like Radio Channel One on the Walkie Talkie was for stage Radio Channel Two is for field stuff. Radio Channel 1 was dead the entire time. Not really? a single... Like, he didn't ask me a single question, and it ran smooth as butter. Love it. Like, that's the kind of people that I, I, I love to work with, that I'm like, I trust you and, like, respect your judgment so much. Yeah. Like, you don't even have to ask me for permission to do this. That's like, awesome. Just take executive... And obviously, he does respect me, though. So if there's things he feels like are going to be, you know, somewhat detri- detrimental or impact the festival in a way, you know, he's going to come to me, but most of the small stuff that I just don't have time to deal with. And that allowed me to actually get to enjoy myself a little bit. Like I was walking around handing people water bottles and stuff, yeah. like getting to talk to people and interact That's because great. I didn't have to worry about some of this stuff. Yeah. I remember, I think I talked to Rusty about this, uh, that 
you know, I read some article with Ashley Caps in it, and he's like, "My favorite part about Bonnaroo is going to see the shows. Yeah, like, my work's done, man. My, my goal is, and if to it's see, not, that's bad. Yeah, my goal is to see ten minutes, at least ten minutes of every set. Yeah, um, and then hopefully, like, I can actually get to enjoy like a Literate Light and Briston set later in the day because it's going to be thirty minute sets all day, and then Freeze is forty five, and then a Literate Light and Briston are an hour." Sweet. Okay. So hopefully I'll get to enjoy a little bit more. But my goal is like 10 minutes of each because I haven't booked a single band that I wouldn't be willing to like put as a headliner on a show. Good. Like I seriously listen to and love the music. Like I was literally listening to Connor Kelly on the way here. Yeah. Like I was listening to his music, like Atlas End. Like, and that's kind of one of the other things is like, because I've gotten to have all these connections with a lot of these promoters and media outlets, like, Atlas End is about as a small band out of Morristown. Um, and they're now having their song played on WTK like multiple times a day because awesome. of Newground, because I connected that. It's great. You know? And so that's like that's super awesome because that's like this kind of stuff that like I wish someone would have helped do for me. Yeah. You know? So so what about like I was looking, it looks like some of the VIP tickets are sold out. It's all sold out. It's all all There's the VIP. no VIP left. Okay. VIP well, so hope maybe next year we're going to look into some other options so that we can sell VIP more. But one, I think I priced them a little too low. They're like forty or fifty bucks. Yeah, yeah, which I think is why they sold out so fast. Yeah. Um, but the, but part of it is the one of the biggest perks of VIP is the primo parking lot, and mm. so I'm limited by the number of parking spaces. Ah. There's 160 parking spaces, and so I obviously am going to assume that people are going to ride together. You know, it's probably VIP tickets are you know, you know guy and his wife or whatever mm-hmm. and they're going together and they're gonna ride right together, right but so you, you're not just selling 160 no, <laughs> VIP so I've tickets. Got, and i've also got like a lot of my vip tickets have to go to my sponsors too oh yeah yeah, yeah. um so i can't sell all the vip i have available yeah um but i do have vip upgrades available at the door um so if you do want the tent with the shade and the sponsor gifts and the flushable toilets and all that kind of stuff, you can still get it, but you have to buy it at the, like, so if you buy a GA ticket, you can upgrade your, cool. You can and upgrade it to VIP. That's at the pretty door. much unlimited. So then it gets, yeah, that's pretty much unlimited. So yeah. then, well, to a certain extent, we don't want yeah. the VIP tents absolutely packed, overrun, yeah. but um, yeah, that, that way you get everything except for the parking, the parking. Cool. So that's kind of been my solution for now. We are working on a shuttle solution for this year, and we're going to have shuttles from to Union Jacks for the after party. We've cool. got um, Meridian Trust has been um, gracious enough to let us use all that parking space right oh, there great. as a shuttle as a shuttle spot. That's right the building across, across the, street. the street. Yeah, right across the street from Union Jacks. Be careful crossing the road, folks. Yeah, there is a walk up, walk up past Tzatziki's to Duck Donuts, and go across the crosswalk and then come <laughs> down. Please don't just run across North Shore. That's a really bad idea. It's tempting. It is. And I'm sure like at 11, 12 o'clock at night when there's not that many cars, people are going to be like, yeah. ah, screw it. I'm going to do it. Yeah. But we're going to have a parking attendant that's hopefully going to be discouraging people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, please go walk the to the walk, yeah, crosswalk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't oh, be dumb. Yeah. I'm going to get one of those VIP upgrades, I think. That sounds like a good deal. Yeah. And it's still it's still not even that expensive. Like no. VIP, VIP tickets topped off at tier two at $50. So that's your ticket plus your upgrade or... Yeah, no, so like uh, at tier two, when they sold out, they were 50 bucks. Oh, okay. So if you buy a GA ticket for 20 bucks, it's going to be like a $40 upgrade. Cool. Or whatever. So you're 60 bucks. You're at a one day festival for nine hours with all the VIP perks. Yeah. So that's, 
Um, the sponsor sponsor bags are kind of first come first serve as far as the people getting upgrades go. Yeah, yeah. When we run out, we run out. So that's yeah. going to have, you know, bags with goodies from all of our sponsors, posters, water bottles, koozies, coupons, t-shirts, that kind of stuff in it. Um, there's the flushable toilets, which is probably the one of the biggest perks, like not, with not the a AC potty. and the running water and yeah. everything. Yeah. And then um, we're going to have, so WVLT and the CW are sponsors of the festival. Nice. And WVLT is the official state station of the Titans. September 12th is opening weekend for the Titans. We're going to mm. have TVs in the VIP tent showing the Titans game during oh, the yeah, day. Oh, yeah, because it'll probably be a 1 o'clock game. Yeah, it'll be a 1 o'clock game. So we're going to have that going, um, all that kind of stuff. So Dude, it's going to be This sounds be like cool. a, a threatening to be a good time is what oh, it is. Oh, yeah. And the, also VIP, uh, you get to skip the bar line. Mm. VIPs got direct access to the bar because they're con- they're in the same tent. Yeah. So right in the middle, you can just walk over and and order something. You don't have to wait outside in the in the sun for your drinks. Yeah. Um, How hard has it been dealing with Lakeshore? Because um, Lakeshore is Lakeshore is a private park. Yeah. Right? So it's really interesting. Um, <laughs> Got to be careful about what I say here. Yeah. But um, so. It is a it is a joint public and private venture with mm. the city. So that has pros and cons. Um, so cons being I can't utilize city services. Um, so like for example, Rusty is over at Sutri. It's a public park. He gets to use city trash service. Right. Um, the city will provide power drops for him. Mm. Um, I can't utilize any of that kind of okay. stuff at Lakeshore. So you're all generator power. So I'm all generator power, which yeah. is expensive and noisy and unpleasant. Yeah. Um. And I also have to work with uh, third-party trash services, mm-hmm. which um, last year we used Keep Knoxville Beautiful, which donated trash cans for free. And then I just took everything to the dump myself and I had nice. to pay the dump fee and whatever. And, you know, it's a hassle, but it's not the end of the world, you know. But as the festival continues to grow and has more, a lot more, more trash, trash, yeah, we're working on some solutions currently for that. Um do you have volunteers cleaning up from yeah. where people and, uh, in, invariably leave their stuff on the yeah, ground? Yeah, and if you're listening shit. and you're interested in uh, being a staff, whether it's anything from uh, you know will call to parking to um, to trash cleanup to you know distributing water bottles to all the artists, whatever it is, if you're interested in volunteering, um, send me an email, Tyler at newgroundfestival.com. Um, that's T Y L E R Tyler at newgroundfestival.com. And I'll get you hooked up with a staff ticket for free. If you're wanting to come out and help for, you know, part of the day or anything like that, Uh, whether you want to come help set up on Saturday or pick Mm. up trash and tear down on Monday or volunteer during the day on Sunday, whatever you want to do, we'd be glad to have you. So cool. So which part of, uh, the park, which part of the park is it? It's in what's called the Riverside Terrace. So the baseball fields are officially gone. Um, Wait, what? So I don't know if you've all heard the about baseball this. fields are gone. From yeah, Lakeshore? so they're they're relandscaping the entire park. They're moving them. So they, I don't know if you heard about this? No. So they took down the fences and yeah. raised the baseball. Yeah, fields. I actually had a meeting over there the other day, and <laughs> during like every ten minutes or so, we just hear it loud like, and we're like, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> I was like, "Oh, it's another one of the stadium like lights just coming down. Oh, they were tearing no. them down. <laughs> that is crazy." So they're moving them. They're doing what's called. Um, the future is in the zones. So they're zoning it into three. If you've been to Lakeshore Park, you're kind of familiar with the with the sort of like diamond shape slash like teardrop shape that the park is. Yeah. At the very top, you've got um, the overlook. And then obviously then there's the big hill down the other side yeah. where the veteran cemetery is. And then it kind of comes out in like a, in like a big 
teardrop shape from there and they're kind of splitting it up into three segments so the left side is going to be all sports they're moving all the soccer fields and baseball fields onto that side mm. that's the north shore side the middle side where the marble hall pavilion is and where they're building this main new event lawn is going to be that's the entertainment area and then the right side if you're looking at it from you know a map or whatever the right side on lion's view side is going to be all of their nature conservancy stuff they're putting like outdoor classrooms and nature trails and cool. that sort of thing in there um are they keeping the playground and that all that I, I believe so yes yeah. so the baseball fields are are only temporarily gone but the riverside terrace is in between the baseball fields okay so it's with a massive big oak tree with the huge branches that go all the way to the ground yes yeah. if you know what i'm cool. talking about yeah. yeah so it's in that field sweet yeah Dude, I'm excited, and I'm so there. There's going to be an event, uh, an event lawn there. So this is probably one of many so kind of concerts like is, this. You think? Working with Lakeshore Park. Here's here's um, to get to the pros of working with a with a private company, is they get to make their own decisions. I don't have to go through committee or city council or anything like that. So I just get to talk to Julianne and be like, who's kind of the manager of Lakeshore, and be like, what do you want to do? <laughs> and so when she in 2019, I worked with Connor. He was the guy. Um, Connor was gone. And He's now the Lakeshore guy? He was the Lakeshore guy. Okay. Um, and with him, he was great to work with, but he was relatively passive and uninvolved. I just paid a rental fee for the um, for the field. He waived some of the fees for me, so it yeah. was relatively cheap. And That's kind of nerve-wracking, though, isn't it? Like not having any feedback when that yeah. kind of stuff's going on. Yeah, You're like, so oh, now man. we haven't. Now Am we I haven't... doing the right thing? Am I above board here? <laughs> Yeah, so now we're actually official partners, and the park is actually a sponsor of the festival. Nice. And so the goal is to the relandscaping project is going to take about five years. So the goal is to build the festival um, over the course of that five years to a full weekend, multiple field, multiple stage festival, so that when the park is fully complete, like we can have like Lakeshore Park be a massive music festival, like one weekend. That's and awesome um, because. I mean, it's like 185 acres. Right. And there is so much room to do a lot of stuff. So the event field that they're building right now is like, you could fit like 10,000 people on it. Wow. And then there's going to be all the other, there's going to be the soccer fields, there's going to be the baseball fields you could put stages on. There's going to be the main event lawn in the middle you can put stages on. There's going to be actually building a legit amphitheater too that's going to have a built-in stage and sound system and everything so that'll be a stage for the festival that'll be a stage you could do like a singer songwriter stage up at the hgtv overlook in the grass kind of like there's so many there's so many possibilities there which is super exciting yeah so you think it'll ever be a camping deal or no well so the lakeshore people say that they will never shut down the park for any reason, no matter how big the festival gets. They'll never gotcha. close it to the public. Gotcha. You'll always be able to walk around the track. But I foresee if the festival does continue to grow at the rate that the park and I want it to grow, I foresee that being a massive safety hazard mm. um, and a massive logistical nightmare. Yeah, to keep um, to keep the non-paying general public out of the festival ecosystem. If, if the entire park is the festival, it's like, are you going to individually fence off everything but the greenways? Yeah. It doesn't really make a whole lot of, But that's what they want, and that's what we're going to go with for now. And I think it's just going to be something that at the end of the five years, we're going to have to reassess and see what is. And obviously, we're going to have to talk with the city and everything like that. And with, you know, I believe it's the Haslam family that owns and has contributed a lot to the Lakeshore Conservancy. And I'm sure there's lots of steps of approval through the Lakeshore Park Conservancy Board mm. is made up of a lot of people, including the mayor, Um 
is on that board. So there's a lot of people we'd have to go through through that. And so that's just kind of, yeah. you know, we're not, we're not, I'm not worried about that. You know, if I get yeah. to the point where I have got to shut down Lakeshore Park because there's so many people there, yeah. I think I'm going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so that's what's, I'm glad that you have this five-year plan for it because it's really interesting because something we haven't talked about is like, you started this festival when you were in high school, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was 16 when I called Rusty. <laughs> and now it's, you know, just a few years later, I mean, you're in college now, mm-hmm. but still like, this is obviously a long-term, plan, yeah. a long-term thing for you. Yeah. I mean, like hopefully this thing blows up and I get to drop out and just like, I've <laughs> always said that like, I mean, the majority of this work for the majority of the year can be done from a laptop. Mm. So I'm, I'm a, I've, um, me and my best friend, Sebastian, we spent two summers living out of my car, drive road tripping around the country. I've been to 48 States. Um, so I'm like, dude, I would love to just like get an RV or convert a school yeah. bus or something, spend nine months of the year, just driving around doing my work from my laptop. And then, you know, in June or July, come back. So I'm in Knoxville, work on the festival through September and then do it again. Yeah. You know? Um, so that would be, yeah, that would be the dream. So how did you, how are you balancing this workload, both when you're a high schooler and now that you're in college, like, how are you balancing the workload of full-time job of putting on a festival and also being a student? Yeah. Success takes work, not talent. Like there I said, <laughs> I mean, it's like, uh, it's, it, <laughs> it's an unhealthy amount of work to be fair. Well, but the, the, the good thing you have on your side is time. Your it's age, true. You know? And that's, that's the other thing that like I've, I've had to tell my family and a lot of adults that question me is I'm still in college and I'm 19 years old. If this doesn't work out, I get to graduate and then get a real regular job. Like yeah. it, I don't really have a lot to lose. Yeah. The stakes are kind of low. So right? it's like right now, the only thing I have to lose is, is the time. So if, and I enjoy doing this, it's like, if I'm willing to put in all the work, like, and get it done, I mean, it's, it's a full-time job. I'm also bartending at Fanatic, and so I'm pretty much full work mode. I mean, my entire summer has been seven days a week, 8 a.m. to 11 p.m. every day. Awesome. Constant work. And then there's also the aspect of, like, I'm also a 19-year-old kid who wants to go to parties and yeah. hang out with girls and yeah. stuff, you know? Yeah. So it's like I was trying to balance not only, one, running my own business, like, I, I opened my LLC when I was like, I had, it was like the week before my 17th birthday. Wow. Um, and so like, it's, it's this, it's this grind of like trying to do this business, trying to go to school and be a student. And then also trying to like, I'm a very social butterfly type of person, you know, trying to like do all of the things and, uh, like hang out with my roommates and you know, whatever. And so it has been, it has been a balance, Um, and sometimes it can like, it can lead to a lot of like, I used to be, I used to never get stressed or anxious. Like, cause I'm, I'm, I'm a very like free feeling person. Like, like I, I always try and live by like, if I died tomorrow, like would I be satisfied like with my life? And so I just like, I'm a very, like I try and live in the moment. I try and like be content with everything that I do and do everything to the best that I can and be intentional all the time in my actions. And, um, so I've never really been a stressful or anxious person. I remember in high school, my girlfriend was always stressed and anxious. She always cared a lot about what other people thought of her. She was always worried about deadlines with school and with her projects and creative stuff. And I was just like, 
I was like, don't worry about it. Like, it's okay. Just have fun. Just enjoy yourself. Just be intentional. Do your best that you can. It'll all be okay. People, it'll work out. You're talented. You're a hard worker. It'll all be fine. And then it like completely flipped script. And now it's like, I'm having like nervous break. Like I had a, like yesterday, I've been having some issues with my staging companies. And yesterday I had like a complete mental breakdown. I'm like, really? I'm like on the floor, like naked, like freaking out. Like, <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> and I'm like, yeah, okay. Uh, so it's like, <laughs> you know, and my mom's always, my mom, my mom has been, and, and my dad, but my mom has been amazingly supportive. And she's always told me, she's like, it's going to be okay. Like, I'm always here for you. If you need to cancel it, it's okay. We'll help you like cover some of the, like your costs or the people you got to pay back. Like, don't worry about it. No 19 year old should be under like, cause I mean, my budget for the festival this year is like $50,000. Is it? Yeah. I'm like 19 years old. Like I'm going to have like 50 to a hundred thousand dollars passed through my hands. Yeah. And that is extraordinarily intimidating to yeah, me. Yeah, I'm sure. But also the fact that you're not so intimidated by it, that you're not willing to to take the risk. I mean, that says it's a lot true. about your character, you know? Oh, well, thank you. It's all that, it's all that time in the Eagle Scouts, you know, trustworthy, loyal, respect, responsibility, <laughs> all that stuff. This guy is trustworthy, caring. Well, caring. I, I've never met an Eagle Scout who, who's a, who's a piece of crap. So, <laughs> so I, I would, I would trust $50,000 in your hands. Oh, well, hopefully. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be good. I think like the biggest thing for me right now and one of the reasons I'm really appreciative of you having me on the podcast is getting people over the age of 21 there. Yeah. That's my biggest challenge because my my profit is going to be completely dependent on how many people are there that buy alcohol. Really? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, so I your think tickets if, are going to pay the door is going to pay the artists and then Yeah, like it, I think in my between my sponsors and my ticket sales and merchandise sales, if I sell a couple that like if I sell 2, 3,000, 4,000 with a booze, I might break even, mm -hmm. but if I get people there that are, I mean, it's not, it's not impossible to sell $40,000 with a beer in mm -hmm. a day. And yeah. if I can do that, then it's like, cause I'm not, I have no, I'm, I'm 19. I pay $450 a month for rent and I pay $4,000 a semester in tuition and I buy my groceries and that's about it. Yeah. That's you're all, living that's a all. minimalist lifestyle. Yeah. So I don't really care about making money because like I said, I enjoy this. I'm investing in the future of the company. So if I can profit, like if I can make twenty, thirty thousand dollars, that's enough to put down a deposit on a pretty big band that could sell five to ten thousand tickets for me next year. Sure. So that's my goal. Yeah, that's smart to put it back into the business too, you know? Yeah. And and while you can. And that's another thing about talking about being nineteen, having time, like you don't have a mortgage, a wife and kids, yeah. you know, that you're supporting to where if this thing goes belly up, then you're screwed right. or you have, or you can't put this, you know, say you do make 20 or $30,000 in profit. You actually are, uh, you can put it back into the business and, and grow the, and grow the festival where I, I just think it's so smart where your head's at and, and, and thinking about investing in the, in the growth of this, because just sitting here talking to you about it, like, I, I don't know, I don't know anybody who wouldn't want to go to this thing. I don't either. And that's what, that's like, um, <laughs> like, so today is, uh, uh, I don't know what time, what day this podcast will air, but today yeah. at the day of recording, it is the first day of rush for the sororities at yeah. UTK. So me and my buddy went last night at like 11 o'clock at night and hung up like 60 posters, like just on that street in front of sorority village. Like every single fence post has like three or four posters on it. Yeah. Like with, and we printed out QR codes and taped them up next to yeah. them and everything. Cause I'm like, just, it's just a matter of getting the word out. Do you because have any other press going on or anything like that? Yeah. I mean, I've got, so WTK is a sponsor of mine. They're running like 
a lot of radio ads Good. all the time. WVLT is a big sponsor of mine. They're running ads on TV. Blank Newspaper is a big sponsor of mine. They're running ads in the newspaper. And then I'm getting to do things like this, interviews um, with cool. podcasts, radio shows. Um, I'm obviously still going to go on things like WBIR and WATE, who aren't necessarily sponsors, but go on like at Live at Five at Four or whatever yeah, 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 and, yeah. and talk about the festival. And Well, it's a good story that you're young and that this is like – that you're in college. It's, you know, it, you're, you're – you know, this is your job, but it's, but you're also a full-time student too. I think that's a great story for people to run. It's hope. It's yeah. it gives people hope. It's like, I don't know if I were, if I were a 14 or 15 year old kid and I saw you, you know, uh, on the news telling this story or, or listen to this podcast or whatever, I would be super, uh, I would feel encouraged and emboldened to do something like this myself, you know? Well, I hope so. I hope more people do uh, step up because we need it. I mean, the community needs it. People, we need good people. Like, and um, the, one of the part of the story about Rusty, the first time I met him that he told me <laughs> later was when he went out to smoke a cigarette, one of the things that he was thinking about was he had just done this because he was kind of like, ah, oh, whatever, I don't really want to deal with this. this is whatever, I got my own shit to deal with, you know? And then when he was out there smoking a cigarette, he was thinking he had just done a story because blank newspaper, it's all love. That's kind of their thing, it's yeah. love. Um, and so he had just done this big story on how he like wanted people like in the industry to support each other more. And he's like, he's I, like, well, I can't, I, he's I, like, well, I guess I gotta do this. Like I got my money where my I gotta mouth put is. my money where my mouth is. That's exactly <laughs> what he said. And so that's why, that's one of the reasons he helped me. And he's really glad he did now, you know, and I'm really glad he did. Cause I don't know where I'd be without his advice. Well, when he came over a couple weeks ago, he, uh, right when he got here, he got here like nine 30 at night. He was like, yeah, I just left a meeting over with, Lakeshore with, with this kid, Tyler Larrabee. Oh, dude, you got to talk to him. You got to talk to him. <laughs> he told, we'd spent like 20 minutes talking about you. And I remember listening. I was like, this kid's out of his mind. What is he, what is he doing? Why would you do that to yourself? I don't know, man. I don't know. I, like I said, I do. I live, I live my, I try my best to live my life. Like if I died tomorrow, would I be satisfied? Yeah. And, if I wasn't doing this, I don't think I would be. Cause I'm like, what, what am I waiting for? Yeah. Like, um, there's the, there's, you ever seen Hamilton, the musical? I, I have I listened not. to it. I have not. I've listened to some Which, of the music. I've first not. of all, mistake. Right. That's what I hear. <laughs> you need to listen to it. And it's great because, um, you can actually listen to the album. There's no speaking in the whole thing. So if you listen to the album, you're getting the full show. Oh, really? Like you're not missing there's no any dialogue? scenes. There's no dialogue. The whole mm. thing is wrapped. It's all rap. That's awesome. It's all hip hop. It's amazing. Lin Manuel, well, Lin Manuel Miranda, genius. He is a genius. Genius. But there's a song. Mary Poppins. Yeah. <laughs> He's in Mary Poppins. That's yeah. how I found out about it. He he wrote the all the music one. for Moana. He did. Did he the, really? He did in the Heights. Yeah, Hamilton. He's done a lot. Um, He's brilliant. He's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I want to go see it. I, I want to go see it on Broadway. Yeah. Well, if you um, if you have Disney Plus, there's a, yeah, a film there. of the original cast, which is amazing. But um, it's a, it's a recording of of the Broadway musical. It right? is. Yeah. It is a recording of the show on Broadway. Like, look, there's a live audience and everything. Yeah. And uh, Leslie Odom Jr., who plays Aaron Burr, is yeah. absolutely phenomenal. Like, yeah. what a singer. Um, He's got so, a great voice. Anyway, check it out. But my, <laughs> my point was, is I watched that musical and I related so much to Hamilton because. Um, there's a song like one of the th the motifs throughout the entire album is wait for it. Um, it's like death doesn't discriminate between the sinner and the saints. It takes and it takes and it takes and it takes. And if I'm still alive, and like if if I'm still alive when so many around me have died, then I'm willing to wait for it. 
Mm. Like I'm willing to wait. Like, so Aaron Burr has this whole thing where he's like, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. And then Alexander Hamilton has this completely opposite thing where it's, um, I'm not going to waste, I'm not throwing away my shot. That's Mm. his motif throughout the whole thing. I like it. So it's like, um, you know, about how when he was young, like he watched his, his, his mother died in his arms. And then he was this immigrant from, I believe it's Cuba or somewhere in the Pacific islands uh, or not Pacific, excuse me, the Gulf islands in the Gulf, the Caribbean somewhere. And he comes up and he's going to college, like in, you know, at, uh, I don't know, one of those prestigious Ivy league schools in the Northeast. I don't remember which one it was. Um, when he's like really young and how did you, he's like constantly working his way up and Aaron Burr writes this song, sings a song about like Hamilton doesn't hesitate. Like he just takes and he takes and he's like constantly like climbing and he's like um, how he's just like, he, why do you write? Like you're running out of time, like constantly working and working and working. And then he does, he dies younger than any of the other founding fathers. And it's like, if he, like he pretty much single-handedly changed the entire United States constitution. He built our entire financial system and he died when he was like 30. Really? Yeah. I didn't know he was so young. Yeah. He was, I would have to look it up, but I mean, it was like very young and like all the other founding fathers lived to be, you know, whatever they were like Thomas yeah. Jefferson, the old ben age Franklin, of 65 guys. Yeah. <laughs> back then, you know, George Washington. And like, so that's kind of been like, some some of like my thought process and a lot of what I That's do. That's your and, motif. And I'm yeah, and I'm nowhere in any way comparing myself to Hamilton, but like I feel like, you know, I've I've had I had multiple friends in high school that died. I had two friends commit suicide in high school. Um I'm sorry, man. It you know, it is it is what it is, but like I've I've just and I like I grew up like my my parents owned an orphan uh, excuse me not my parents my grandparents had an orphanage in Kenya that they mm. were missionaries at for like the first twelve years of my life and I got to go over there and see um, these kids and I remember one we of talked the, about African orphanages last week on the podcast oh, believe nice. it or not yeah so they had an orphanage over there and I, when I was in fourth grade I went and visited this orphanage called. Um, it was Mama Zipporah was her name, and um, it was in the Gong Hills, N-G-O-N-G, of, of Kenya. And um, I remember we walk into the nursery room. There's like 30 or 40 cribs, and they're all full of, of babies, babies. And it's dead silent. And if Why? you know anything, and if you know anything about babies, infants, they're not quiet. And I remember like, I asked the same question, and I looked at my dad, and my, it was just me and my dad in here. And my dad's like, because they've already given up. Really? They're not crying because they know nobody's coming for them. That's heartbreaking. Isn't that so heartbreaking? And so, like, I've, I kind of grew up with this idea, like, my whole life of, like, nothing is, like, guaranteed. And, like, nothing is, like, I'm so privileged. Like, not only just to be, like, whatever, your cis, white, straight, Christian male, right. which obviously has its privileges, but also, like, to be in America, to be in, with a family that is loving and supportive, to sure. be in a family that has, you know— a decent income that they can support me in like my dreams and pay for me to, you know, be in a soccer club when I'm in elementary school and like, you know, pay for me to go on these trips with my friends and stuff like that. And so like, I don't want to waste that. Like I don't want to quote unquote, throw away my shot that I've been given. You know, it's yes. And it's amazing that, that it took some, that it took just a little bit of perspective for you to now have that gratitude and that appreciation that you carry with you for the rest of your life, you know? And I struggle with it every day. Like it's, it's, I think it's easy to, 
it's easy to get down uh, when things don't go your way or when things Absolutely. things seem really hard, things are out of your control. Uh, they're difficult, but man, so many more people have it so much harder than Absolutely. we do. I was listening to this podcast the other day with this, this woman from North Korea that, you know, <sighs> defected as, you know, as, as yeah. a young, you know, and the stories that she tells from, from North Korea, it's like, are you kidding? Like I have absolutely nothing to worry about. Nothing at all. <laughs> I'm so fortunate. We all are. Just the fact that we're free. The fact that we're sitting here having our own podcast, releasing our own media is insane yeah. like to someone from North Korea. Oh yeah, exactly. It, it, yes. That, and, and then having food in the fridge and, and all that is just something that, you know, 75% of the world can't, yeah, my, um, can't do. We can. My grandfather, same one that worked with this orphanage in Kenya, he'd go to colleges and high schools and things and talk. And he would always start out his, his lectures by saying something like, raise your hand if you think that you're in the top 50% in the world, like financially speaking. And the vast majority of people would raise their hands. Okay, raise your hand if you think you're in the top 25. About half the people would raise their hand. Raise your hand if you think you're in the top 10% in the world. Three or four people would raise their hand. He's like, what if I told you, if you woke up with the roof over your head, you bought food and had money left over, you're top 5%. Yeah. Like if you have money after paying for a roof and food, you're like top 5%. That's amazing. To spend on anything else other than shelter and food, you're top 5%. Yeah. And people are like, because the, and they, half the people had their hands down after 25%. Like yeah. most people think that they're like, people have no concept in general of how lucky they are. And I just really want to take the privilege that I have to do the most that I can with it in the time that I have in the same, you know, and try and make some sort of difference, whether it's working with X hunger to help feed folks, whether it's putting on a music festival to help artists that are underprivileged or artists that are unexposed reach their dreams. Like if I have the chance to do it, I'm not going to waste any time. That's amazing. And that's, you know, I, I think it's noble and, but I also think it is somewhat of a rare mindset <laughs> mindset to have, but I'm very glad that you, that you have it. Uh, and I'm glad that you have that gratitude too, because um, I, I, I think that the, the planet would be a much better place if everybody just appreciated what they had rather than bitching about what they don't, you know? Yeah. We live in such a like consumer minded society that it's like somehow, you know, somehow it's Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk and Bill Gates that are the 1% and the rest of us are all like in poverty or whatever. And it's like, there are a lot of folks really struggling, but it's like, we gotta we gotta be appreciative for what we do have because like you go down go over to South America go over to Africa go over to parts of Asia and like see what people are living like sure. and understand like India and like I mean it's insane yeah, we're, get we some really are we really are uh, in America very very blessed so yeah our problems happen in a little vacuum that's really you know kind yeah. of trivial compared to some other problems that are out there mm -hmm. sure. Well, what else we got, man? I'm just, I'm so excited for you. And I'm so, um, I think your story is so cool. And I, I can't wait for in five years <laughs> to still be going to this festival and Lakeshore Park is closed so. down yes. to the public. <laughs> well, Julianne, if you're listening, I, that's, that's not my plan. I'm sorry. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to, we're going to work with the park and we're going to, we're going to do something. Um, because I think, uh, now that, and I don't mean this in any kind of like malicious way or like negative way at all, but like now that rhythm and blooms is gone, it's kind of like Knoxville's festival is up for grabs. 
you're exactly right. And man. I know that Dogwood, they're doing Southern Skies with Born and Raised. I love Garrett and Kent, uh, Second Bell. They've got um, Rusty, obviously love him. I wouldn't be anywhere without him. They've got a great thing going on. And there's all kinds of other miscellaneous festivals too. But like, I think the space is a huge factor. And Lakeshore Park is way bigger than such trees. It's way bigger than just this, you know, the food truck park at um, Central on Central Avenue and the venues that they have. I think like we have a unique opportunity to build something that could potentially get scale really to scale really big. And like, I love Sunset on Central and I love, and which I don't know if they're, I actually haven't been keeping up with whether they're doing it again. And I love second bell and I'm going to continue to go and work at those festivals every year and promote them as much as I can. But like, I think that Knoxville's Knoxville doesn't really have a festival anymore. Right. That's like, well, I mean, obviously we have big ears, um, which is huge, but, but that's, that's a that, completely that doesn't feel like a thing. Knoxville thing. It, I mean, it, it, it happens here, but it's, it's an international thing. It, people from all over the world, yeah. you know, come to see this, which is super cool. Yeah. I, yeah, I want us to have like our own, like music midtown or Lollapalooza or something yes. like that. And I well, think Lake not Shore's to necessarily that, I don't want a hundred thousand people in Lakeshore Park. Yeah. That'd be a little bit of a, but like, I mean, it could easily like I think about like Moon River in Chattanooga. Yeah, they've like, got Riverbend too, right? Yeah, and like something like that. Like Knoxville doesn't have anything like that anymore yeah. now that Rhythm and Blooms is gone. And I and I know that Southern Skies is definitely going to step the game up too, and it's going to encourage all of us, you know, Rusty and I and Garrett and everybody else to step up our game if we want to compete. Um, but I think like. I'm trying to poise myself in the best position possible to really do something cool for the people in Knoxville and the business community in West Knoxville also, because there's not a lot of music in West Knoxville, Mm-mm. but there's a lot of businesses no. and people who in, over there that, that love it. So. I bet open chord would, would be a good, seems like a good. I'm going to uh, try and talk to them this week about doing a preview event there. You know, Sammy? Back I do know Sam. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I booked, I booked a couple shows there for Stonefish back in the day. Cool. So is Stonefish still playing? No. Technically, technically, technically um, we were going to play Second Bell this year, but unfortunately, our piano player's sister is getting married that day, ah, so he's yeah, going to be. He's got to be there. Yeah, but we over um, over quarantine, we lost three out of five of our members. Not lost like dead, but they, yeah. they quit. Yeah. They quit, um, and and so you know, so it's, it's just been, you and the piano tough. player, just, and we got a new drummer. Yeah. Um, are you the songwriter, singer, songwriter? Are you the front man? Uh, I am now. I wasn't the singer. We okay. had a lead singer um, who quit, but I am. We just played a sh- we played a show at Hay Bear Cafe a few months ago. That was our first show back since COVID, and I was the lead singer for it. Singing the old songs. Yeah. I well, here's the thing. I wrote like over fifty percent of them. Gotcha. You just so didn't. Perf- you just didn't. Sing I just them. didn't sing them. Gotcha. I I did a lot of the other writing with stuff, but I mean it was it's a very much team effort, and we kind of stole the REM model of like our songwriter credits were in Stonefish's name, mm. like on all of our stuff. Like, gotcha. And then we had a contract amongst ourselves that were like, here's how yeah. we're splitting it and blah, gotcha. blah, blah. But we did, it was complete even split across the board. Like our drummer n- never, like he wrote like one line on one song of lyrics. Yeah. And he had a, a 20% but we, split. Yeah, yeah, but we split everything evenly yeah. because it's like, that stuff just gets like, I hate like when you look at like, like Mar- look at Maroon 5. Yeah. Name one, Adam name movie. one, yeah, name another member of that band. Yeah, I can't. can't. <laughs> yeah. Panic at the Disco, Brandon Urie. Who else is in that band? I have no idea. Right. I don't want, I never wanted to be like that. Gotcha. You know, that was. It's it's interesting, like, when did you guys record most of this music? In high school? Yeah, so my sophomore year of high school, we recorded our first EP. 
my junior year, we recorded our first album. And then my senior year, we recorded our second album. Okay. We were very fast paced. Yeah. We were, um, and I think some of that led to kind of the downfall of Stonefish in a little Just bit. Just working too hard? Working too hard. I, I think I pushed some of my bandmates a little bit because I have this, like I've been talking about my mentality with things is very like, do it now, yeah. go forward, go fast. Um but there's downsides to that. And I think there are also a lot of people that just like, it's like our drummer, one of the, one of the like best drummers I know, like as far as like technical, like he can duplicate, you play anything for him, he could play it back to you. Um, he wasn't necessarily the greatest at writing drum parts or anything mm. like that or being creative, but like he could Mimicry. play, he could play <laughs> anything. Um, but he was like, yeah, being a drummer is just a, he's like a biomechanical engineer at UT. Mm. It's like, yeah, drumming is just like a hobby for me. Yeah. And I think I pushed him a little too much. Yeah. He's like, this isn't fun anymore. Yeah. I think I, I think I, yeah, I think I kind of made it a job and like, for me, that's what I wanted, but I don't think for the other guys, it's necessarily what they wanted. And also your high school friends, you know, they can only come see your shows so much when you're playing two or three shows a, and that's, you know, part of why I started new ground when you're playing two or three shows a week, like it's like your high school buddies aren't going to come to yeah, see the I, same set over I, and over. Yeah. You, you, it's like having a, having a small following of, of your close friends works, but um, got a thousand followers on Instagram. You're not going to sell like a hundred tickets to every show every single week. Like, yeah. Even that has its limits, I guess. Your buddies can only come which see is, you two nights Which a is week. part of what Newground's goal is, is because on most local bands, they only have their friends and family. Mm. And then when they go off to college or when they split or whatever, it's like, your fan base is gone. All yeah. that work you did is gone. Yeah. So Newground wants to help artists make fan bases of real festival-going, concert-going audiences in Knoxville that are going to continue to go and see them all the time. Yeah. And, and man, you're right. To that, that whole mentality of like make people fans of the festival, you know, not just fans of the band that, yeah. that way they'll come, they'll come back no matter who's playing. Yeah. And, and that kind of feels like it leans on the experience a little bit too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the experience itself becomes the draw, yeah. not necessarily the, the lineup. Yeah. That's why the tickets this year were so cheap. Cause I was like, I don't care. I want as many, I don't want anyone to have any excuse not to be there. Yeah. Are you going to do a big blitz before the, before the, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're, yeah. We've got a big media schedule coming out. We got like a big article and, and blank newspaper. We've got, got radio segments. We've got cool. TV commercials. Yeah. We've got giveaways and ads on social media and blah, 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 blah. blah. Yeah. Um, we'll and do, every we'll- time we do one of those things, like, um, for example, one of the bands that's performing Carmen, they did, like they did a giveaway for them and they were giving away like, you know, an, a CD, a t-shirt and two tickets to Newground Music Festival. And to be entered to win, you had to f- be following both Carmen and Newground Festival on Instagram. And um, you had to like tag a friend in the comments. Yeah. And they ran that for like an afternoon and we got like 40 followers off yeah. of it on Instagram. Something you know? similar just happened with us last week with the, the giveaway with but, our last guest. Yeah, we did. Um, Collabs are real yeah they are we did um so we put early bird tickets on sale at the end of may beginning of june somewhere in there mm-hmm. and we have sold a, we have sold at least one ticket every single day awesome which is which is super cool there's been days like when briston maroney posted on his instagram to fifty six thousand followers that he was playing we sold like 100 tickets that yeah day. uh yeah. so if i go and buy a ticket now i can upgrade at the door for mm-hmm. the vip okay, if you if cool. you want yeah i have one more thing to say about about stonefish okay you guys started it in high school. You're yep. 15, 16 years old, whatever. It sounds eerily 
like the kinds of music, the, the kind of music that was popular when I was in high school 20 years ago. Really? It does, man. So like when you listen to some of our music? Yeah. Yeah, well, like... It almost had like an emo, good Charlotte, like kind of like <laughs> like content to it. It didn't sound yeah. like it necessarily, but the vocals did a little bit. And yeah, it, it just Benji it, would be really happy that you said that because yeah. he was very like he wanted it to be all like this emo, meaningful, deep lyric stuff. Yeah, I was like, but it's not offensive. Like it's no. not in your face. Like my life sucks. Like yeah, it's, it's, and also there's there's only one song with a swear word on it, and it's like damn. Yeah, like we wanted it to be family friendly. Yeah, here's the thing, like everyone, like when you're in high school and college, almost every single high school and college band is like, oh, we're like this indie prog rock like future wave new wave mashup mixture thing and they want to be this cool unique like next big thing whether it's like they're going like the grunge punk route or they're going this indie bedroom pop route or whatever and everyone always asked me they'd be like you know what 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 type of music is your band and i was always like oh it's it's indie rock it's i'm like dude i'm like looking back at myself if i could talk to 15 year old tyler i'd be like dude shut the like shut the hell up it's pop music yeah, it it's, like it's just it's just pop rock music. It is, and it's but it's accessible, and it's yeah. not like I don't know. It's 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 not uh, like I wish I just owned self aware. Yeah, I wish I just owned that a little bit more and just been like, yeah, it's just good, like clean, but like but not like cheesy radio rock music. Yeah, and I wish I just like kind of run with that. But I wanted instead to, of well, man, you know, yeah, you it's kinda, like this. We're in this weird transition phase right now. And like, there's, see, if you really listen to the lyrics, there's this like, actually, there's this theme that follows through all the songs yeah. and you can tell nobody cares. I'm like, dude, shut up. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know why we tried to do that, to be honest. I mean, like, everybody does. Everybody tries to pretend like the thing that they want to be is, so is not quantifiable. Yeah. We want to be so artistic or qualifiable. And, I always get those two mixed up. And, but like, the thing is, like the there was really three of us in the band that wrote most of the lyrics. Like ninety five percent of the lyrics were yeah. written by three of us, and we all had three extraordinarily different writing processes. Gotcha. So for Zach, it was like I'm going to sit down and for thirty minutes, and I'm just going to write, and then I'm just going to write for thirty minutes, and I'm going to come up with and oh maybe there's a snippet of this song I heard that I'm going to take some inspiration from and try and make a piano riff that sounds like that and do this, and it's very like. His rhymes and his like melodies and rhythms are very like syncopated and very like they work together mm. very well. And he likes the resolve of certain chord progressions sure. and stuff. Benji, our singer, was one who very much wrote out of um like emotion and like pain and like childhood experiences yeah. and breakups and that sort of thing. And then me, I was like, <laughs> I was a complete like outlier where it was just like, I won't be able to write a song for a whole month. And then it's a literal tangible feeling I'll get where I'm like, I'll feel an inspiration and I'll be like, oh shit. And then I'll go and I'll write an entire song. I'll write an entire song in 30 minutes. Yeah. And then I won't be able to write anything again for weeks. Yeah. Well, when, when I listened to it, I I was (sighs) thinking about the age you guys were when you made it. I was like, this is not, this doesn't sound like high school problems. Like it just sounds like it, 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 the subject matter, especially in the lyrics and in the songs that I listen to, like it, it's, it's accessible. Like people can listen to that mm-hmm. and not think, Oh, this is kid stuff. Yeah. And, and like, I don't know when I was in high school, like OAR was a big, w- was popular. I don't know if you've heard of those guys, but like they mm-hmm. were, they were, uh, 
they were this high school band that was like 16, 17, 18 years old. And they were super popular among young adults that were like in their twenties, yeah. which is kind of crazy. And I, and I kind of put you guys next to that when I was listening to it, I was like, I could see like older than college age folks really getting into this Steve, stuff. Steve Wildsmith said something very similar when we did, we did an interview with a blank newspaper. He interviewed us and he kind of had a similar comparison too. And it honestly makes me really happy because I never really thought <laughs> we were like that. And I wish, you know, I wish that, um, our third album, I think is our, is our, some of our best work. And I think was some of the stuff that could have actually gone mainstream radio. And I mean, we get played on WTK all the time. Like sometimes I'll be driving down the road and I'll hear a song pop on <laughs> and I'm like, awesome. Cause I love those guys. I love Benny. I love, uh, Jimmy, uh, and Beth and JJ and all those guys over there at the station, Fritz. Um, but like, I, I really believe that like this could be our chance to like potentially go on like a real tour and like get signed. And like, yeah. I thought we had the music for it. And then that week we released our album, George Floyd was killed and then Corona hit. Yeah. And the album completely flopped. Yeah. That's a bummer. It, it was just poor time. I mean, we had like this whole thing we'd written, like we'd written essays to go with every song. We mm. had this big thematic phone photo shoot. We had like, all of our, mer we had merchandise and our record and everything was like this big themed like graphic thing. And like we had this whole package put together. I was, I was spending hours and hours a day posting links on subreddits and like submitting our playlists to be like our song, the playlist to be put on Spotify and everything. And I was contacting radio stations and TV stations and the whole nine yards. And we spent a lot of money to record at a good studio at our relation it here in South great. Knoxville. Yeah. And then the album got like, I mean, the songs, almost every single song's got less than a thousand streams on it still well, over two the, years later. Uh, the LA one, Scott. That's a big one. That was our first EP. That was on our first EP. Yeah. Was it? yeah. Yeah. That was, that's been our most popular song. It's good. They're all good. Thank you. I appreciate I think so. it. I appreciate it. Thank keep, you. Keep going if you can. I've been <laughs> writing. I mean, I've been writing like through quarantine. I've written some of honestly what I think is some of my best writing personally. Like I did, I had time to like sit down and challenge myself. Like, so like I was saying, usually it's like when the inspiration hit, like I had to sit yeah. down and write. I remember one time I was working a vacation Bible school one week, like I was volunteering yeah. as a staff at my church <laughs> and um, like I had one of my friends was coming to pick me up and take me. And I like got inspiration hit like 10 minutes before and I'm sitting down writing the song and she's like picking me up and I'm like, dude, this doesn't make any sense to you, but if I do not finish this song, like I will never finish it. And so I took my guitar with me. Like I'm in the back of her car while she's driving us to vacation Bible school, like finishing writing this song. That's awesome. Because I was like, I, like I, if I don't finish it, I'm going to lose. It's so, happening. It's happening. Yeah. I got to do it. Yeah. It's like giving birth to a baby <laughs> yeah. almost. Like, like, yeah. it's like, Oh, I'm in labor now. Like I don't have a choice. I have to write it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so over quarantine, I had a chance to actually like do something besides that. And so like I sat down and like would actually write from inspiration. And my favorite song I've ever written came out of that. I took a Time magazine cover. It was um, the Time, it was the cover of Time magazine, and it was an 18-year-old soldier in Afghanistan. At the top it said the Forever War. And the subtitle was the first U.S. soldier deployed to Afghanistan who was born after 9-11. Oh, wow. And so I was like, that's an interesting story. Heck yeah, dude. And so I was like, what, what's that guy's story? What's his life like? And so I wrote a song, the song's called brother. And it's from the perspective of that kid, the 18 year old soldier. It's from the perspective of his little brother mm. and what he must've been thinking, watching his brother and his parents. And in the song, it starts off with the song starts off with, he's, 
he's died. There's, um, he's been killed in, in battle and these, uh, you know, military guys come to, you know, then they knock on the door, like you see in the movies, whatever the two guys and they come and they knock and they say, we're so sorry. You know, your son's passed yeah. away and whatever. And it goes on and it's just like, just an 18 year old boy, like out there, like re- unprepared, like yeah. for what, what's ahead of him. And like, and then at the end of the song, it's now the younger brother's turn. He's turned mm. 18 and now it's his turn to go off to war. And it's like, what are our parents going to think when we're both dead, like at 18 years old and like all stuff. There's a really deep song and like, I'd never written anything like that. Cause most of my songs were all this like lighthearted, like yeah. radio, like, uh, like the almost to LA that you're referring to was about like, um, it's like the storyline in that song is there's a car there, you know, it's a band that's on tour. They're going to Hollywood. They're going to LA. They're going to go try and make it big. And their car breaks down in Santa Barbara, California. Yeah. And then the song is about like, I mean, it's about like appreciating where you're at, yeah. but it's like, we are almost to LA. Yeah. Like we almost made it. That's you know? a, that's a, and uh, it's a fun summer song, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's a good cut. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, brother, is that on brother. the third no, record? it's not. It's not released. It's not released yet. Uh, okay. And I've only ever i've I've gotten to play it live a couple of times, and okay. I've had massive response, especially um, from people who I, I really would like to release it. And maybe after the festival, I'll record a solo album, or I'll maybe I can, if I can find another bass, if I can find a bass player and some other guys to join Stonefish, maybe we'll do another Stonefish record. But um, yeah, I'd love to release it because, like, I when I've played it, I've had it's been the only song that I've had people consistently come up to me and say, like, I really like love that song. I thank you for doing that. Like, yeah. Thank you for writing that. That's super cool. Because it's a, re- it's a relatable emotional story. Mm. And a lot of people have had siblings killed in, yeah. killed in combat. Um, yeah, I've, I even had like, I had an older gentleman who fought in the Vietnam war who came up to me after a show and no was way. like, yeah. And was like really appreciative and, um, was, was telling me a little bit about, about his story and, um, so that's like, that's how I knew that I was like, oh, I finally if I can touch I've, this guy. I finally <laughs> gotten to a point where I can actually write meaningful shit. Yeah. Like if, if, an, if a Vietnam war veteran came and said something to me about like how his, my song moved him in some small way. Yeah. Like I'm like, yeah, that, that makes me feel really good. Yeah. Well, do and you I think hope so? I can do that, but yeah. yeah, I love your stuff. Thank uh, you. Just I from the few that. times I've listened to it. Well, thank love you. It. Yeah, and check out Stonefish Music on Instagram and it, Facebook and yeah. everything. Thanks for doing this, man. Dude, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. This has been great. Yeah, thank you. It's been it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, maybe we'll do it again next year. Yeah, we'll have to. We'll have to. Then we'll I'll, we'll get to see. It'll be really interesting to compare to this year and where I was at in my headspace and where where we were as the festival yeah, it, because yeah, it'll be a little know. it'll be a little uh, a snapshot in time, like a little time capsule. Yeah, a little time capsule. Dude, Tyler, thanks for doing it, man. Of course. Thank you. All right. There it was. Hope to see you guys at Tyler's Festival. Thank you guys for being here today. Appreciate you a lot. Follow us on Instagram. We're giving stuff away all the time. You get some merch and other stuff like that. Check out our Patreon if you want to support the podcast. That's always helpful. It helps us keep the lights on here, and it helps us continue to grow the show for you. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. We love you guys. Be good. We'll talk to you soon. Pitchwire. Play me out.